You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Yoga Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. We are chatting self-care and self-discovery on the pod today, per the usual. Thanks so much for being here, friends. Today's guest dropped so many interesting truth bombs. I have to admit, when we were scheduling this interview and we were talking content, I was thinking, oh, Tantra, cool. We're going to talk about sex. And Katie so kindly clarified in this episode (laughs) that Tantra is so much more than that, more than what we in the U.S. have sort of boiled it down to be, um, simplified it into. It's so much more. And I love that. So she's exposing, you know, all the truth here on Yoga Magic. Katie Silcox is the New York Times bestselling author of the book, Healthy, Happy, Sexy, Ayurveda Wisdom for Modern Women. She's the founder of the Shakti School, a premier online certification school for women-centered holistic wellness, and her businesses focus on the convergence of ancient holistic medicine, modern science, and heart-centered spirituality. In this episode, we talk about just the healing and knowing that we'll We'll never be truly fully healed, but that we are so much more resilient in the process as we, you know, just go through our life and and continue to expand. We talk a lot about expansion. She talks about building the Shakti school. She talks about what Tantra, I want to say Tantra, but it's Tantra, is and why it is not just about sex. That's a very small portion of it. We talk about how Tantra is related to yoga some specific Tantra and Ayurvedic practices that you can try on every day. And we talk about Katie's personal self-care practices as well. So just an FYI that Mercury was still in retrograde when we recorded this and the internet blew up for a second. So it cut out when she was talking about the Ayurvedic practices, but don't worry, you'll still get all the good details on that. Just like a little blip in there. Some quick housekeeping, please, please subscribe. If you are not already, you can learn more about Yoga Magic and some of our upcoming episodes, events by signing up for the newsletter in the show notes. And the very next community event is on November 1st at noon central time. That's astrology for calendar planning. So if you're someone who's like, oh, I love to plan ahead. I'm planning for 2023. I want to know when the Mercury retrogrades are. I want to know, you know, when Jupiter shifts back into Pisces so that I can slow down a little bit. This is going to be a fun event. We'll look at some specifics in your chart and what's coming for 2023. It's just an hour. It's $10. You can grab the tickets in the show notes. Meet some other Yoga Magic community members. All right, everybody, another self-care practice for you to put in your toolbox Tantra, let's get to this conversation with Katie Silcox. 
So right out the bat, I'm just, I'm really curious to know your journey to getting to the work that you're doing to today, to the Shakti school, just what brought you here? You can give the long story. I I love the long stories. (laughs) Well, you know, when people ask me this question, I always answer the same way. And and so far it's sort of still the same answer. And that is suffering, Mm -hmm. like pain and suffering. And I think that's a reason why a lot of people get into yoga and, and these sort of spiritual arts and disciplines and holistic medicine. It's really about having, having seen something of a failure within the familiarity of systems, whether it be a family system, a medical system, you know, a relational system and, and a religious system and really wanting to um, heal myself and more deeply and perhaps importantly than that, I, I, I really, really wanted and still do wanted to know who I am and, and who I am beyond my, you know, health issues and mommy and daddy issues. And, you know, all of those types of things led me to, to studying yoga and meditation, but also Ayurveda and, and even now uh, different forms of psychology. So Mm -hmm. that is actually the short answer. Okay. Well, but it, that's, there's so many areas that like, I'm so glad you touched on all of those different types of healing things that we're healing from, because for a lot of listeners, it can be, it can be any of those things. And I'm curious, you know, you'd said like searching for who you are. And I think, you know, obviously we're, a lot of us are doing that. If you're listening to spirituality podcast, you're probably seeking. Mm-hmm. And yet it's so easy, like you said, to get hung up on some of these like mommy, daddy issues, whatever it is that like we're still working through. Have there been any specific like moments or practices where you're like, oh yes, like I've made a step forward from mm-hmm. detaching from those I don't know, identities in a way. Mm, yeah, re- really well stated. Um, you know, this is something that I really hold as the whole paradigm for the work that we're doing at, at our school, which is called Shakti School, which is 15, 20 different teachers. It's not just me, although I'm the lead teacher. And the the central idea is that we kind of have to let go of the idea that we're ever going to be rid of all of these problems that we have, Mm -hmm. whether it be our parents and like how that affected us or our health issues. And it's not to say that those can't improve and improve radically. I've seen it in my own body. You know, I'm 42 and I'm like the fittest and healthiest and sleeping the best I ever have in my whole (laughs) life, you know, relationally, all these ways I'm the healthiest I've ever been. And what I can say after 20 years is like, and, you know, I can think of other teachers that I've had that have told me this and spoken to this. And and it's that these things may or may not ever go away. And yet the field in which they are being experienced is growing. And what that means in regular lady talk is I can tolerate myself more. (laughs) I can handle, you know, the emotions that arise when, when I am with my mom and dad and sister, (laughs) when I am dating dudes in 2022, you know, like these things, you know, I'm single, you know, and so that's a little bit my world, but like 
that, that we just get better at being with the, the rawness of being a human and the tenderness and vulnerability of being a human. And I think if we're really being honest as we engage in spiritual practice, our spiritual practices, what I've found to, to answer your question of what was that one moment, and that is I have them every single day. Mm-hmm. And then I go back to sleep and I have to to wake up again. And, and I don't mean I go to physical sleep. I mean, I forget. And there's this beautiful word in the tantric tradition that's smarana and smarana is the path and smarana means remembering. Hmm. So when I sit with my mentor or my students come into our school and sit with our teachers, I am not downloading anything into anybody. I am just throwing some things out through words and maybe some energy practices or breath work and technique. And of course the tradition itself and saying, Hey, what do you think about this? And it's so beautiful to watch all these faces light up with recognition of remembering what they already know. And that's the meaning of having an inner teacher. And that really is the core practice that I do. And that we do at Shakti school. It's like, Yes, we need teachers, but their their real service is really only in guiding us to to that part of us that intuitively can sense who we actually are beyond the craziness of the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Remembering, yeah, that's really beautiful. And I think too that like if there's that resiliency where you're you're putting yourselves in like in in yoga, right? Like a kind of a stressful situation in yoga, and like building that resiliency to go out and be with other people in other situations where you feel some stress, but you're a little bit more used to it. I love that. That's, that's really beautiful. As far as, you know, the Shakti school, I'm curious, like even just the the meaning of the word and like, what is that, that lineage, just a little bit about your beautiful school that you built. Yeah. Well, the word Shakti is from, of course, the, the Indian tradition, the Vedic Hindu tradition, and it means power and very specifically feminine form power. And it's not about being a woman, although we have a lot of it. It's about a life force that runs through all things, that animates all of life, that that is sort of like, if we were gonna use psychological terms, like the sexual energy, right? That yeah. is in everything and everyone. And so women have it and men have it and, and everyone has it. And so the Shakti school is a place where we we created a container through which women, it's a woman only school can come and, and really tap into these rememberings of not only our, and we pay a lot of honor to our ancestors of the Indian subcontinent and that lineage, but also the way in which those very ancestors in India wrote books that were thousands of years old. And inside these books, they literally wrote messages to us, the future humans. And it said, this is a universal science for understanding how life works, how the mind works, how biology works and how spirit works. And these teachings should be taken and spread and adapted to the time and the place and the people in which they're being given. And if we don't make it, you know, accessible to us modern people, it will be undigestible and therefore poisonous. And if we can, mm. make it, yeah. Right. And like, I feel that way. <laughs> And so I always say, like, we're holding two very specific things. One, and I think you probably, uh, you know, resonate with this too, Ashley, and your listeners. It's like, on one hand, we're like deeply studying and loving and honoring a tradition. And we need to be hyper aware of that 
as a cultural artifact to be revered. And then on the other hand, we're holding the universality of it and the, the deep longing in all humans to know who they are and to be seen and to know the depths of their soul and to have a life that has meaning. And that's really what we're all about at Shakti School. And if along the way, what Ayurveda, which we have an Ayurveda certification program, but along the way, if we can have less constipation, less gas, less bloating, <laughs> like less acne, less dry vagina, like less insomnia, <laughs> less anxiety, like if we can help people get that, it's way easier to feel the reality of your spirit when your body feels better. That said, we can't wait on our body to feel perfect to know our spirit. And so we're working in, in a kind of dual natured way with something that doesn't need any tools or techniques or new year's resolutions or, you know, it, your soul's fine. It's just a pathway of knowing your power. And that's what we're really trying to work with here. Hmm. Just a, you know, a short order. <laughs> Things are working. Right. I'm a very, very simple, simple-minded person. No, uh, yes. It's just a huge, tall order, but why not? But also can be so fun and fulfilling in the process. So you would talk, so you said Ayurveda, um, Tantra, which we're going to talk about. How are these ideas, like in your school, are they different? Like, are they, people probably haven't heard a lot of these words. Can you talk about what yeah. they are? Let's do that. And so, so the reason these words are so, especially Tantra and even yoga, they're shrouded in mystery for a reason. They should be. They're technologies for awakening that which cannot be understand understood with the rational conceptual mind, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, it's a very unique personal journey that we're all on in terms of our spiritual life. And, and it should be, and it's, it's yours and it should be sovereign to you. And, but so, so we could say that on a big scale, it's, it's a mysterious topic, I think, because we're working with the most tender, mysterious aspects of our mind. But on a general level, the word ton, like if we look at the roots of that word, we can really grasp the meaning and we can see it everywhere. And ton means to be expanded. So if you think about your yoga poses, you're doing a tantra, you're opening your body, you're opening your heart, you're opening your breath, you're opening your awareness. Tra means a tool or a methodology. So get this. When you put that together, it means a method for expanding who you are, mm. a method for expanding actually your perception of who you are, because a lot of our uh, limitations are mental and emotional and they're unconscious. And so on a broad level, you know, we could talk about it from a scholarly historical perspective in, in India, but on a broad level, any technology, any technique, anything you do in your life that expands you out of your limited self, the part of you that feels like you're never going to get over your ex-boyfriend, you're never going to get a better job, you're never going to have good health, you're never going to get over your childhood issues or abuse or abandonment or all these things that we all are going through on some level, that that limited perception, which can be very real and very painful, and we don't want to throw off on people's pain. But at the same time, there's this methodology that all of us are using if we're on the spiritual path that enables us to break through. And so in this way, what's super cool is that 
You can be a Christian and do tantric technology. Mm-hmm. You can be Jewish. You can be Hindu. You can have no religion at all because all human beings on some fundamental level are looking to move beyond this cycle that we're in of, of our limits and our um, suffering. So why do we think mantra has anything to do with sex? Uh-huh. Like why, when we immediately think of that word associated with sex. Girlfriend, welcome to my life. And you know, <laughs> after, after this year, I have a new book coming out. Maybe you'll invite me back if I'm lucky. And, yes, and please. Like, I'm doing like a rebranding because <laughs> there's so much confusion around this word. And, and, and it's unfortunate, you know, and I think one of the reasons is like, Tantra does have something to do with sex, and we don't need to be shy about that. The whole point of Tantra is that we don't repress or deny the body and its urges and its longings. And so, so many of us come from this Judeo-Christian background where there was a great schism between our body, our sexuality, and God. Mm-hmm. And there was this big, in my opinion, lie that you couldn't connect to God and soul and spirit until you denied the world and and your longings and your desires and your sexuality. It was a huge part of that, especially for women. Right. 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 So what, why Tantra was so attractive to me, I grew up Southern Baptist Christian. And so what Tantra said was, look, the underlying nature of nature is desire. The underlying nature of nature is desire. The, the acorn wants to be an oak tree. The little baby wants to turn into a big, strong man. Our mind wants to know what is the capacity I have for my intellect, right? So we have in our being, even if you're a like total monk and live in a cave, the desire for enlightenment is desire. And so the whole nature of reality, the teaching say is a comma yoni, which is a hilarious word that means a a womb pulsing with desire. And so, of course, if that's the underlying nature of reality, you're going to have desires. And so the goal is to be able, and this is where it gets tricky. The goal is to be able to differentiate what are my desires that are going to bring me closer to what my heart really wants? And what are my desires that are going to bring me further away? And that's yoga, right? Yoga means to make that which is unconscious conscious. And so I know for me, I want to eat a whole bag of potato chips and lay on the couch and like binge watch Netflix. And, and maybe like that could be good every now and then, but mostly that's a desire that's going to lead me further away from what my heart really wants. And you could apply this to relationships. You can apply it to career moves. You can apply it to everything. And the secret is to get better and better at sharpening the sword of your awareness to be able to choose those desires that are going to take me closer to love and presence and the evolution of my soul. And those desires that, man, are going to get me back on that old path where I'm going to repeat all the old ways. And so why I think Tantra became equated, because if, if Tantra were a book, like a massive book, it would be like a few pages about sex and they're actually really boring. And they're mostly like what men want to do and they have nothing to do with women. And so in a way, the sexual aspect of Tantra, I, I, it's not even fully available. And Taoism is a much better, by the way, if anyone's listening and you want to study sexuality, study Taoist sexuality because it's way more tuned to like a woman's body and 
our needs, but really this isn't an advertisement from our course. It's for anyone, right? Like really we have to teach ourselves the technologies because there isn't some perfect handbook on, on sex. But the reason why I believe that Tantra became equated with sex in the West. Okay. Think about when yoga, Ayurveda, a lot of these Eastern practices came to the West. I mean, it's been a long history, but if you're talking about the United States, it was like 60s and 70s hippies, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. On the heels of the 1950s, which had been one of the most repressive times sexually in, the, in this country, at least, in our history. Way more than the 30s and 40s is the 50s, it was sexual, sexual shutdown. And so then you get these techniques from India, and it's the Western psychology that wanted it to be about sex because we were so sexually repressed. Right. And then you have people like, of course, Sting that made it very popular in the 80s and 90s because Sting was having these supposed, you know, three-day sexual escapades with his wife. And you know what? Good on him. Like, fair enough. Right? Like, but it, it, it has nothing to do with Sting. It has to do with the fact that the collective culture was just obsessed with sex. And that's what they chose. Right? And if you go to India, you know, I lived in India for a while. They think Tantra is mostly about black magic and like spells and magic. And like, yeah, that might be, that can be a part of it. Of course, I don't partake in any of the more darker arts. You know, you can choose. In other words, you can choose how you use your yoga practice. You can use it to energize yourself to become an even bigger asshole, or you can use it to melt a little bit your ego and become the real version of yourself. And so it's the same thing with Tantra. Uh, you know, I could go on and on. It's obviously a longer, longer discussion. But I think I'm glad you mentioned your course because clearly if someone is like, oh my gosh, I want to <laughs> dive in more, there's a place for them to go. That's so right. Tantra. So, okay. I want to like, if I'm talking to students about Tantra, their tantric practices, that's what specifically this is as as it relates to yoga, like would it fall underneath like larger umbrella yoga tantra? Well, you're asking these really deep, deep questions, young lady. <laughs> okay. And you know what I want to say is I've I've been studying this for 22 years, and mm -hmm. I still I still ask that question that you just asked me, and so I have to really, if I'm being authentic, to be really humble around this. That it's like. There's so many layers to what this is that we would we have to distinguish historical Tantra that sort of flowered during a certain era in India mm -hmm. from the philosophical concept of Tantra as anything that expands you out of your awareness. So those okay. are two different things. So from the umbrella of yoga, what we can say is that historically, Yoga has tended to be a little bit more about, you know, yoga, chitta, vritti, nirodaha. That's like the first Patanjali Sutra all yoga teachers and teacher training learn. And it means, you know, yoga is the cessation of the birthing of the new thoughts in the mind. Cool. Um, it, it, it really bases a lot of itself around this idea of V yoga or the removal of the obstacles from you knowing who you are or God. Okay. Tantra, you could say, because really they overlap and yoga can be really tantric and tantric, tantra embraces all of yoga. But tantra says, rather than removing things, why don't I go inside of them? Mm. In other words, 
rather than um, not eating today because I'm an ascetic yogi, I'm going to eat and fully and be every millimeter of the enjoyment of that experience while at the same time knowing that it's temporary. And, you know, so like a quintessential tantric approach is to enter into a relationship with the goddess, right? Mm-hmm. To be Lakshmi, to experience abundance, love, joy, sexuality, to become her, not try to get away from the world, but to go inside of it and suck the juice out of it with every power of my consciousness as a meditative act, right? So you can see those are two very different things. I would also say that Tantra, if we're, if we're talking about Hindu Tantra or Buddhist Tantra, or you could even speak to Christian Tantra, because there are some amazing you know, theories that say that Jesus, in fact, studied with Tantric yogis. But the central hallmarks of Tantra is that we use your body, your, your capacity for imagery, your imagination, your sensuality, your emotionality. We use relationships. Oh my God, raise your hand if anybody out there is like, dude, relationships bring up all my stuff. Mm-hmm. And so Tantra uses everything that the world and nature are as vehicles for illumination. And yoga does too, but that would be how I would differentiate this two. One's a little more ascetic path and one's like, let's get it on. But it only works if we are very tuned to the inner instrument that knows, will this bring me further from the goal or closer? And that's where you get a lot of weird, creepy stuff, which I just need to say out loud, I'm 100% not a part of nor a fan of, which is, no, let me not say it like that. This is differentiated from neo-tantra. Some of it, the neo-tantra is beautiful and wonderful. Some's really creepy, right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't recommend anyone listen to this podcast and go find some, you know, 50 or 70 year old man tantric guru out in the woods in Northern California and like think that you're going to be initiated through having sex with him. I mean, that's, that's horrible and, and quite abusive. And so Tantra in the mode that I have learned it and practiced it is very much an internal ritual you with you. And I think that's important to say too, because sometimes people hear the, hear the word Tantra and they're like, oh, that sounds great. Let me go <laughs> jump on the bandwagon of what, and I say this respectfully, we call Neo-Tantra, which is sort of a mishmash of a lot of different techniques. And, and that's okay too. Like all of us are doing mishmashes of a lot of different techniques. And so now that I've thoroughly confused all of us, you know, that's the nature of this game, right? Like that's why like this word could be even considered challenging or problematic. That actually like makes a lot of sense to me. I'm think I think in astrology. So I'm thinking like yeah. this is Venus. We're living in in a Venusian situation over a Saturn. Like yeah. <laughs> oh, girlfriend, you're speaking my language. And you know, from that perspective, you know, what's so beautiful and why maybe we could say and some do argue that tantra is the mother um- umbrella around all of yoga is that tantra embraces Saturn and Venus. Mm-hmm. It depends on you in the moment that you're in. Sometimes you need a fierce, fierce lesson. Sometimes you need a love lesson from, you know, juicy mama. And I think what is even like more interesting, we could even say is, well, maybe Tantra, we could begin to start to equate with an even deeper root, which is just shamanism, this sort mm-hmm. of primal 
system that we all come from. And so it's a deep, deep, deep question that you asked. <laughs> That's I'm glad. I'm glad that I'm asking deep questions coming out of my fog of postpartum <laughs> because this feels so, so much fun. So I want to know, I know you work in Ayurveda as well. You know, what, how does this work in a day-to-day world? Like, how are we working with tantric practices? Um, is it related to like, like you said, the body, the, those Ayurvedic practices, or is it a little bit different? Yeah. Well, let's say this. I believe all Ayurvedic practices really hold a tantric element because the whole of, so, and sometimes Ayurveda has different goals than yoga. The goal of Ayurveda is to keep you young, juicy, moist, uh, plump, all these things that we equate with the sap of life for as long as possible. Ayurveda's goal is to keep you My book's called Healthy, Happy, Sexy, but it's like healthy, happy, horny, and sleeping, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. Ayurveda's goal. And Ayurveda's goal may, you know, some forms that I've studied are very spiritual, right? Mm -hmm. And our, our school very much leans into the intuitive spiritual aspect. But some Ayurveda, they don't care about the spiritual realm. Let's just get this girl healthy. The body, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like a very noble goal. Mm -hmm. Um. The way that we share it and the way that I've been taught it through um, many teachers, one of them being Dr. Fassant Ladd, is that our spiritual life and our emotional life and our physical body cannot be separated. And that, in fact, you have seven different layers of physical tissue in your body, muscle, fat, bone, nerve, reproductive fluid, blood, plasma. You have these tissues. And within each of these tissues are stored, get this, your memories. Hmm. And not only your memories, but your ancestral memories that mom, dad, grandma, granddad, and all of them couldn't process. So you have your family's emotions that they couldn't process. And then you have your own personal storehouse that is beyond this lifetime. I mean, this is intense stuff, right? And so Ayurveda is the practice of a aligning with the seasons and your own internal nature and understanding your internal unique dosha or makeup so that you can know what foods and things are going to aggravate you and what are going to soothe you. It's knowing all of that, but it's also through the practices, whether it be self-massage or um, meditation or working with mantra or any of these practices we began to purify the tissues of our issues in a way. And of course, it's not that simple, but we can think of something as simple as an Ayurvedic routine of putting oil on your skin. That oil has the capacity, the word for oil in Sanskrit is sneha, and that means love. And so when we coat our body with this physical layer and we do this thing that feels like a really mundane physical practice, like putting on oil in the morning, What we're doing on the subtle body is sending a signal to all of the seven tissues of the body. And we haven't even talked about the the subtle parts of you, right? We're just talking about your physical tissues. We're sending them a signal that says, I love you. You're okay. You're safe. And you know, you can release what needs to be released. And so it's really hard to actually to distinguish between the practices that are physical or spiritual because they're woven into one another. I love that example of a 
of a, you know, a massage, are there other kind of simple daily practices that listeners could work in if they're like, man, I am into this. Please help me now. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Let's take it into a really simple place. And that doesn't mean less important. There's like a triad. So there's so many things you can do in your morning routine. I'm sure your listeners like watch Instagram and do all these things, right? Like that's who our people are. And and we can get what I call overwhelm. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Ayurveda overwhelm. I mean, just you can get Ayurveda overwhelm. So imagine if you like are a biohacker, you're paleo, you're this, or Gwyneth Paltrow, goop. You know, it's just like, <laughs> oh my God, my vagina has to have a candle. <laughs> like, you know, it's just a little bit like overwhelming. And so one of the things that's super cool is that when your life, one of the like general rules in Ayurveda is when your life gets really simple, really complicated, your, your remedies should be really simple. And I learned that from one of my early mentors, Dr. Claudia Welch. And I was like, no, 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 I want to do everything. And she was like, well, why don't you do these three things? And so a good triad, if you want to start doing Ayurveda every morning, you're going to be doing great if you can do these three things. Number one, when you get up, scrape your tongue. You're going to get all that gunk off from the night before that your little body worked really hard to get rid of. You're going to see it's either green or yellow or it's white and or it's gray, right? And if you have a lot of it, that means something. And that can give you an indication of what's going on in your gut. So if it's really fluffy and white and you have a lot of it, we would consider that to be like kapha, an earth and water imbalance. It means hmm, maybe you had a little bit more fat than your body could digest. Maybe you had a little bit more sweets and carbs than your body could digest. Or you combined a lot of foods in a really weird way. Then if it's green or yellowy, yellow is very common. That's going to be more of a pitta imbalance and that's inflammation. And that's telling you, well, maybe you, did you like, are you, do you have, are you getting sick? Are you having an inflammatory response to something you ate? Did you drink a lot of wine last night? Right? Like what are these inflammatory markers that we're seeing on that tongue gunk? If it's more gray or scanty, kind of stringy, that's going to be more vata. Did you drink enough water? Are you drinking herbal teas that have unctuous energies in them? Um, are you oiling your body because it's fall, which is when that air and ether of vata we call goes higher. So just doing that one thing not only gets rid of the gunk, but it gives you an indication, you to you, you become your own doctor. Oh man, I am a little, like I do have a lot this morning and it's kind of white and heavy. I'm going to lay off the potato chips today and have some green juices. Second thing, once you've scraped your tongue, just drink some warm lemon water. So great is neti pot. And it's not just because you're cleaning out your sinuses, which you are. And if you can neti after you've been out from a long day, that's also a good idea. But in the morning, our nasal cavity is directly connected to the left and the right brain. And it sets off a whole host of detoxificatory processes in the entire body from the gut to the nervous system to the mind. And so neti pot is more than just cleaning out the sinuses. So those three things, neti pot, lemon water, and scraping your tongue. If you're doing those three things, for me, you're like way, way practicing Ayurveda every day. 
Yes. Yes. And so, I mean, I've tried all these things. I do love tongue scraping. Like I can look at my aura ring to see what's happening in my body, or I could also just scrape my tongue. <laughs> yeah. Luckily we have all these tech and you know what, like something I, I have on one. T- oh no, mine's charging, but I, I love the aura ring and that's tantric, right? Yeah. A lot of these biohacking tools, they're externalizations of the inner knowing. That's, that's cool. That's what Ayurveda has done, right? As well, like scraping the tongue, using the aura ring. These are all, I just believe that the ancient Ayurvedic and tantrics and yogis have all reincarnated as the biohackers. (laughs) And now, you know, it's now it's like up to me and others to like bring in the spirituality to that, which I think a lot of people are really, really doing, which is awesome. I was just going to say, I do think like some of the, the leaders in biohacking are actually, quite spiritual. And, and yeah. it's so, I mean, it's making it all seem like you said, really like we call it hacking, but in fact, we're just, we're just listening. We're using our bodies. We're paying attention. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty profound and, and it's changing so frequently. Like I, I mean, I am shocked often at like who I am in my physical body, spiritual body one day to the next, right? Like, mm-hmm. This is really cool. I feel like I have so many other questions. <laughs> so what do you like to do? What are your, your day-to-day self-care practices? I always ask this question because I love people's routines. I get it. I, I love to know as well what others are doing. You know, I, I, I'm like, I mentioned I'm 42. I started doing yoga when I was like 19 and I started teaching probably too young when I was around 22 <laughs> and just went full force as I tend to do in, in these things. And honestly, I don't do a lot of yoga these days. I, I, I'm very bendy and I do a lot of weightlifting and I do, I think that I do yoga. Here's why. I, I, I mean, if there's one Ayurveda book that I think is pure magic, there's several, but like one of my mentors is a man named Dr. John Dooliard. And he wrote a book called mind body sport that I read when I was quite young and it changed my life. And in it, he talks about, I've kind of coined it becoming an Ayurveda athlete. And that's really becoming a yogi. Yoga may involve sun salutes, but for me, it involves maybe getting on a treadmill and doing a one-to-one sum of Riti breath and only increasing my speed and elevation to the extent to which I can keep my breath chill. Mm. that's yoga. And so like, I'll do that. I'll do that outdoors. I'll go on a jog and do that breath. And it's such an ego hacker because my ego wants to run and it feels really good to get all that adrenaline and go fast. And I can run quite quickly if I want, but if I do this one-to-one breath and I humble my ego to the breath, which is yoga, right? this magical thing starts to happen and the brain actually goes into a more alpha wave state, which is different than the beta wave of like worry, fear. And most of us are in it a lot of the time. So I do a lot of work outside. I mean, in terms of physical activity, I lift weights and I go on walks and go on runs and I swim when I'm near the ocean. That's a huge part of my weekly routine. Exercise is a non-negotiable I try to not just do 30 minutes or an hour in the morning, but to integrate small little things throughout the day. And I think that's really the secret to youth and longevity for our listeners out there. Y'all seem young, but guess what? We're all aging. And 
Um, we are not the age of a number of years. We are the age of how much muscle we have. And so muscle is important in Ayurvedic medicine. It's also related to your virility and your fertility. Mm -hmm. So super important. I also consider making food for myself or arranging food to be a non-negotiable. Like if, if I don't, I'll just, I'm very pitta, which is very high metabolic energy. I'll just get hangry and like eat terrible things. And so exercise, making food. And then the last one that's the most important and you know, all the, maybe I don't do Ayurveda perfectly. I, I consider myself an Ayurveda rebel. I, I do the tongue scraping. <laughs> I do the lemon water. I do the neti pot most days, but like, I don't massage my body in hot oil every day. You know, that that's more of a seasonal thing for me. And we could talk more about that because I also think that's a little bit been overplayed. Like there are times in the year you don't want a ton of hot oil on your body. Mm -hmm. The one thing that's non-negotiable is in the morning, I have sacred time with spirit, with my meditation practice, you could say, with sacred books that allow me to expand my heart and my mind. And I have a mentor that I work with. And if I didn't have that, I know that I wouldn't be, <laughs> not that I'm in a great or perfect place, but I know that I'm in an evolutionary place, that I'm in the flow of my soul. And so the, the daily routine should be the answer to a question. And the question is, what do you want your life to be about? And your daily routine is a response to that. Oh man, I got to start asking more questions in the morning. <laughs> just like, yeah. Versus just sort of like falling like, into it in a way, right? My God. And the to-do list as if you just had a baby, like you need one more big long list of stuff to do. And it's like, when you've, you didn't ask me this question, but I'm going to answer it. <laughs> when you've just had a baby, by the way, I'm going to give you a tantric answer to spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. The fact of your motherhood is worth more than a million mantras or downward facing dogs. The fact of your motherhood is your spiritual practice. You, your, all the routines and yogas and everything will be there for you when you return when your baby's a little older. But I think people underestimate the transformative power of just that life sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, daily routine, ideally for moms is you know, telling everybody around them what they would, how they would like to be served. <laughs> but I know that's not the reality all the time. Oh my gosh. I'm in total agreement though. Like I, this is what I need today. Hey family, this is what I need. Not a lot, but like whatever it is. Right. Uh, do you have, you must have like Taurus, Taurus or Scorpio in your chart. Ooh, I feel so like my ego just got so validated. <laughs> Taurus people are some of my favorites and they're very sensual and earthy, as you know, and Scorpio is very deep and sensual and sexual, but I'm cancer all over the place. <laughs> this is why we are, this is why we are like vibing right now. I'm a cancer sun. Oh, like, girl. Perfect. Yeah. All the way. What's your birthday? I'm cancer sun. I think, well, so it's different in the Vedic, but in the Western I'm Leo with cancer moon okay. and in, in, in Vedic I'm cancer, we really only care about the, that one aspect in terms of like, we don't look at sun signs in other words, but my birthday is August 7th. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hot girl summer. Hot girl <laughs> summer is, right. And you know, what's so interesting about like 
the dissolution of our ego, which, you know, you need to have a healthy ego and I'm a big fan of therapy and working through to have good self-esteem. But spiritual practice is about the fact that you are so much more than your personality and your ego. And I've right. always identified as a Western astrology as a Leo. And I do have a lot of that Leo energy. And then I met with my Vedic astrologer and she's like, yeah, no, like, and so much more made sense of like why I don't like to leave my house much. <laughs> I'm like, total introvert. Mm-hmm. Can you share with listeners a little about your school, about your, your year long program that starts in January, if they want to get involved? Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, we have a year long program that gives them a certification as an Ayurvedic wellness coach. And it's amazing. And we have women right now signing up. We have about over a hundred women already signed up and it starts in January, 2023. And they're just women from all over the world of all different races, backgrounds, ethnicities, shapes, sizes, ages. We have like 70 year olds, we have 21 year olds, and it's just this big lady gathering place. And we meet weekly uh, over the course of a year. We also have office hours and you learn the basics of Ayurveda, but you also get so much more than that. We're really a, a place for women's wisdom and women's spirituality. And so that starts January 18th. And I think we're, we're going to give your listeners, if they mention pod 100, um, $100 off. And I think we'll send you a link where you guys can. Yeah, that'd be great. That. Thank you. Yeah. But there's definitely interested people. Where can listeners find you if they want to learn more from your amazing wisdom? <laughs> Thank you. Well, our website is theshaktischool.com. We have an Instagram, the Shakti School. And then I have a podcast too called Spirit Sessions. So they can find find us there. Awesome. And your book as well. I'll make sure to link that yes. so people can grab it. We have a book, Ayurveda. Um, it's called Healthy, Happy, Sexy. And it really is such an easy read. It's like, I wrote it like Jenny from the block is teaching you Ayurvedic medicine. <laughs> like it's Cosmo magazine meets Ayurvedic medicine. And that was really my intention because that's how I needed it to be mm-hmm. um, with all the love and respect for the tradition. Um, it's it's really, it, it's, a, it's a great little handbook. Um, and then I have another book coming out next fall uh, called... Oh my God, you know, I'm having a hard time saying the title because we changed it last minute, but it's called Glow Worthy. And it's all about creating a spiritual practice through through your own body. Oh, okay. Yes. Please come back. I want to hear and let's promote that. Oh my gosh, Katie, thank you so much. This was just really a joy. And I, like I said, like our cancer vibes, I learned so much. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. You can follow along at Yoga Magic Podcast on Instagram and make sure to subscribe. We will see you next week.